<clears throat> if you've done the job of parenting a child, gone through the early years of raising little ones through infancy to kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, and so on, um, <clears throat> there are certain things you remember. Um, there are certain movies and certain books that just you know, come right to your atten- uh, attention that normally wouldn't come. Um, I remember when my first son, Daniel, was born. It became about the cartoon movie, The Jungle Book. I mean, that's all we watched over and over and over again was The Jungle Book. And then came my, my daughter, Caitlin. And when she came, it was The Little Mermaid. And she would go around calling forks, dingle hoppers, and things like that. Um, and when my son, Tim, came, I, I believe it was The Great Mouse Detective. What's that? Lion King. Well, See, by the time the third kid comes, <laughs> they can watch Homer Simp- Simpson and eat lead-based paint. I mean, you know, um, you're so tired. Um, but you, you, rem- you remember those things. One of the books that I remember with, with all my kids that I always got a kick out of was a book called Where's Waldo? How many of you re- remember that with your kids? Um, I think you got the wrong slides. Um, there we go. Oh, that's going to be good. Um, how many of you re- know the story? Anyone? Know? Come on. How many have you seen the book, Where's Waldo? Oh, there we go. All right. All right. Well, I guess it isn't a story. It's about this guy who just keeps popping up everywhere. Um, there is an adult version of the game that we play, um, and it's sort of called Where's God? You ever notice when you go into the checkout aisle at some grocery store, you'll see the tabloids? And once again, the adult version of the God uh, game is you're looking for, uh, it's a more sophisticated game with, with a, with a more uh, sophisticated character. It's God. And you see him in stories like uh, Mario Rubio, uh, a woman uh, from New Mexico who was rolling out um, burritos. And as she was cooking her tortillas, she began to see the suffering face of Christ begin to emerge in the skillet burns and over 9,000 people showed up at her house to witness the appearance of Christ on a tortilla Um, or the man in California whose whose home during a certain time of the day on his garage when the sun starts to go down gives the appearance of Christ on the cross. In fact, it's said that on one weekend, 9,000 people came to witness it. And more in the spotlight, uh, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts. Some of you remember Oral Roberts had a vision of a 
foot tall Jesus hovering over the new medical complex that he was trying to build, giving him a message that he was to appeal to people for the millions that he needed to finish it or God was going to call him home. I was strapped for catch that week, so I didn't participate in that one. Um, God didn't call him home, but he did get the millions. It's an adult game we seem to play, isn't it? Where's God? And we look for him and, 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 and our pancakes and syrup and stuff like that. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little distraction to keep us from the, the pressures or the realities of life. Um, a cosmic cartoon character that we look for in, in the objects of life. A distraction. Because outside of that, anyone who's really seeking to look for God in the midst of the difficulties of life, they're distracted in the wrong way. They're delusional. Because you can't see God like that. And that's just denying reality. That's just being irresponsible. That's taking time to work on your problems and to earn money and wasting it looking for God where he can't be found. It's always been like that. It isn't just our culture that views it that way. You can go right back to the beginning of time. You can go right back to Adam and Eve, to the people of Israel, who would look for God in images, in idols, in things that they could hold and and things that they could manipulate knowing he wasn't really there but willing to settle for God in a box. It's not hard to understand in one sense though, is it? Can you really see God? I think we've all wished at one time or another that we could see God. That we could just see an image of him and have him speak to us. I mean, how many of you have thought, gee, I I wish I was around during the time when Jesus was upon this earth. That would have been awesome to see God like that. But what about all of us who haven't seen God like that? And all of those before who didn't get a chance to see God. Can you see God today? Well, as we continue our study in the Beatitudes, Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate who walked this earth, came to give us an answer to that question. And the answer is yes. You can see God today. We began this study in the Beatitudes, looking at how God takes us and transforms us. We began because of the new year and the whole idea of having a happy new year, but realizing what's more important than being happy is being blessed, having God's favor upon you, because it's when you have God's favor upon you, great things really begin to happen. 
you not only end up happy, you end up blessed with the joy of God. And we saw how God takes us and first he makes us see the poverty of our spirits so that we can be filled with his. That we recognize that we are empty vessels, that we are bankrupt, that our way doesn't work. And then he touches our hearts and we just grieve over it. And, and we feel it. It isn't just something intellectual, it becomes emotional. But it isn't something that's just emotional, it becomes volitional because he makes us meek. He makes us humble. And he redirects us so we now hunger and thirst for righteousness when we didn't before. And he empowers us and gifts us to go out and to begin to do for others what he did for us in his name, and that is to share mercy to people around us who are hurting. And in the continuation of that process, he allows us to see him every day. Because that's what we read in the sixth beatitude. Can you pull that up? We Keep going. Well, in the sixth beatitude, we're told, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, since we got up there, we'll use it. What's, what's the real truth in that? The truth is this, that a heart that seeks God will see God. Not a little too slow on the draw. Back it up. <laughs> a heart that seeks God will see God. I want you to hang on to that thought because it's a powerful thought. It's the promise of God. That if your heart is where it should be, then you will see God wherever it is that you are. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does it mean to have a pure heart? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Can you put that up there? We read this. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Notice, pure heart is linked to a good conscience and a sincere faith. What is a pure heart? A pure heart is a heart that is consumed for God. It's a heart whose loyalties are not divided. It's a heart that is devoted to God. A heart that wants to be about everything that God is about. A heart that's not distracted. It's interesting, when we think of a pure heart, we more think of a clean life, don't we? In other words, if you you want a pure heart, stop looking at porn. Porn. 
If you want a pure heart, stop drinking. If you want a pure heart, stop swearing. If you want a pure heart, stop being greedy. So if you just stop doing all these things, you'll have a pure heart. Stop sinning and you'll have a pure heart. That's how the Pharisees thought. They were the religious good guys of Jesus' day and they walked around with all of these symbols of all of these works that they would do, all of the different uh, prayer beads and uh, tenements that they would use to help them draw near to God outwardly. And Jesus said they were a bunch of whitewashed tombs of dead men's bones. He said they look great on the outside, but on the inside they are rotten and decrepit and decaying. They have no heart at all. A pure heart isn't about the things that you do or or you don't do. A pure heart is having a heart that is fully directed at God, that pays attention to God. How well do you pay attention? Well, look at us now, Pastor. No. Seriously, how well do you pay attention? Do you start the day with goals and all of a sudden by the end of the day you're thinking, I didn't get that done. What happened? Oh, yeah, I, I was doing it and then this happened and I went over here or I went over there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it would be like me talking to you or you talking to me and sharing your heart. And I look at you and I go, ah, hmm, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. Husbands do that all the time, don't they? Watch your wife, watch the TV, the eyes going back and forth, ah, hmm, yeah. Is that a pure heart? No. Is that a focused mind? No. We do it with God, but we're not even that good at it. We don't even put that much effort into it. We pray, we say, thank you, God, and then we go off on our way and we live our lives for our purposes. Think about how crazy that is. You know in your mind that God has saved you in Christ, that he loves you, that every good thing you have comes from him. You know that in theory. But theory never seems to turn into reality because you go off and you fret and you sweat and you struggle and walk in humiliation and shame and sin and you don't know why. But then you come back and, 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 and you reconnect with God and, and you say, God, I, I really love you and want you and why can't I have more of you? Why can't you be more present in my life? And then we go off into our lives doing the same old stuff. 
You ever wonder how God looks at us? I mean, think about in the negative in the sense that Guys, or gal, imagine if you're walking down the boardwalk at Hampton Beach and you're with your, your girlfriend, your wife, and, and you're there to have a very special day with them and, and to just enjoy some romantic time of sunshine and the beauty and being with, with your best girl. And all of a sudden, some very attractive girl walks by and you, you look Maybe you even look again. And then you get the elbow and the ribs. And she says, I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you say you want to be with me, that, that I matter. And, and then you're looking at other women. And of course, you say something like, something lame like, no, 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 honey, trust me, I... I was just looking because thinking to myself, she does not compare to my wife. <laughs> and I just, I thought, how, how sad it must be to be her. Because baby, you got it going on for sure. It's, it's almost that way with God. Oh God, I love you, I love you, I love you. But distracted. And then, God, why can't I see you? Why aren't you real to me? Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those whose hearts are devoted to him. Why? Because if they are, you'll see him. You will see him. David talked, and I don't think we have that text up there. Um, about seeing God everywhere that he went. Talked about seeing him in the thunderstorms and the lightning. Psalm 29, David says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. When David saw lightning, his response was, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. I can hear him. Why? Because David devoted his heart to him. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who go undistracted. for they will see the face of God. I can tell you, I have seen God. I have heard God. There are times in my life where by the power of his spirit and by walking in humility and repentance and grief over the things I've done, I've walked with God. I've talked with God. I know God's real. I've heard him. And there are other times 
I've gone a long time without hearing him. I could hear him. I, I could hear him in his word. And, and, and I could see images of him around me quickly. But not powerfully. Because I walked distracted. I walked separated. I walked consumed by the things of this world. I forgot where the center was. I, I, I forgot what the mission was. And I allowed other things to take over. <clears throat> and I would cry out, God, speak to me. Let me see you. And then I realized, because I'm not walking with him. I'm not making him the center, the priority. And Jesus said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because when we turn our attention away from God to anything, we create idols. What are idols? Idols are objects, they're people, they're ideas, money maybe, that we look at to them because we believe that they're going to save us, they're going to excuse me, do something for us. And so we look to them and we want them and they become our passion. They become our gods because we endue power upon them in our own minds to be powerful to meeting our needs. And we become idolaters. And the only gods we see are the gods we hold that look like us. There are no gods at all. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who keep their eyes upon him. Because if they do, they won't be distracted by all the glitz and the glimmer of this world that is nothing more than sin. Nothing more than the stuff that will cause us to go in the wrong direction, marry the wrong person, engage in the wrong behaviors that will leave us bankrupt. The things we lust for that will cause distortions in the way that we think and the way that we look at God. Blessed are those who keep their minds on him. Well, that's easy. True. You can't have a pure heart on your own. A pure heart is something that God gives to you. That was the promise that God made to Jeremiah, that I will give you a new heart, a heart with my spirit in it, a heart that will be more powerful if you press into it than the wicked, decayed heart that you have. It's what Jesus came and brought to us and the new life we have in Christ. How do you grow and see God with a new heart? One, simply, you ask. You ask God, God, 
Take my heart and shape it as you would have it. God, come into my life and by your spirit, each moment, redirect me. When I get off track, help me to see quickly I'm off track. And let me tell you something. God will do that for you. If you are earnest and you ask for the power of his spirit, you'll know when you're drifting. God will cue you. If you earnestly just want and ask, God will do his part for you, which is the hardest part. Second, surrender. Let go of your fears. We walk in faith or we walk in fear. That's it. There's no in-between. You will walk in faith or you will walk in fear. Fear that you'll never have a fulfilled life. Fear that you'll never get married. Fear that you'll never have enough to provide for your family. Fear that you'll never be able to retire. Just fear. And you'll never live. And you'll never see God in fear. Because God doesn't walk in fear. God shows up in fear and offers you faith. And you have to grab it and walk out of it. Be willing to, to let go of your fears, of the things that you long for and lust for that have nothing to do with where God is directing you. Be, be willing to let go of your greed. You're wanting more and more and more for yourself and seeing less and less of God and God in others. Be willing to surrender. Thirdly, be willing to look. A heart that seeks God will see God. That's what Jesus will say. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they so sh- sh- shall see the face of God. Here's the truth. If you hunger and thirst for God, for his righteousness, you'll be filled. If you love others and show mercy because you understood that you needed it and were given it and have been humbled by it, if you do that every day, you'll see God everywhere. You'll see God in the people you talk to even though they... They don't even know him, but you'll see his image in them. Andreas and I were talking last night just about politics, and um, but noting that, yeah, there are some great qualities in people we disagree with because the image of God is there. You'll see God when you walk down the road. You'll see God when you go to work and recognize that what you're doing And your work isn't just drudgery. It's creativity. Because if your heart's devoted to God, 
you'll celebrate the fact that he has made you creative like he was created. What did he say to Adam when he created the world? Go and take dominion. Go and be creative. For I, your God, am creator and am creative. You'll see him in your work. You'll see him in your money. (laughs) In God, we trust. Hardly. Because if we did... Every penny would go in the right places to the right things. I'm going to encourage you on that um, MP3 player that Dick was talking about for the troops. Wouldn't that be awesome? Think about it. People who will come to Christ, people who will be comforted in Christ during turmoil or injury, What a wonderful outreach. You'll see Christ in your money. You'll see Christ in your love life. You'll see Christ in everything you have and you'll praise God for what you have and know that you don't need anything other than what he's given. I want to close with One of my favorite songs. Do we have that? This is by Rich Mullins. um, And it just speaks to this reality. That if we're willing to just listen to God, to ask and to surrender and to look, we will see him. Why don't you play that?